Okay, so uh, I'm not going to do what I planned to do this Sunday. We just felt like we wanted to speak into the situation uh, that we are in at the moment as a church. We want to speak into it rather than just, you know, pretend it's not going on or something like that. So we do want to pause. And actually, it's a pretty good illustration of our series anyway about family, the family of God, and about the body of Christ because when one part hurts, we all hurt. And so it's good to pause. It's good to say, hold on, what's going on here? So for those who are visiting, I'm sorry. This is a bit in-house today, but Tim is extremely poorly, and uh, we need a miracle breakthrough. So on Wednesday night, he went into hospital with uh, sepsis and has been in a medically-induced coma uh, for several days now. Um, we need to see a breakthrough. We need, and do you know, it's been so responsive to prayer so far. There's just been little bits of encouragement along the way. So we want to just take some time to do a bit more of that today. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk for a bit because I feel like God's given me a word for us uh, for this season. Um, and I also believe, and then we're going to pray. And I, but I also believe, I was so encouraged when Alison had that dream because God had said to me, I'm giving you a spirit of intercession uh, for this season. And it's not just about the battle that's in front of us. Actually, um, th- there's more. There's more at stake. There's more going on at the moment. There's something that God wants to give us in this season that is wider, broader, deeper than even what's right in front of us. So I feel like God is preparing us, has been preparing us for this. Because in this season, God's going to teach us how to fight um, and how to contend for what's ours. And he's going to give us some victories too. So I'm kind of up for that. Um, And the picture that I keep coming back to as we've been going through uh, this week is a picture uh, from Jacob who wrestled with God. I don't know, have you been feeling like you've been wrestling at all uh, this week? He wrestled with God, Jacob did, for his family and for his future. And there was this man standing in his way who wouldn't let him through. And so they wrestled until the break of day. And and I just feel like that is such a good illustration of what many of us have been feeling. Several people have contacted me this week to say Thursday night in particular, they couldn't sleep and they couldn't stop praying. They were wrestling with God. Something of God's spirit came on them. Come on, you need to pray now. And actually we did see a breakthrough over that night. So I'm encouraged uh, by that. Um, So I want to share a bit about this. I just have to say, I don't need to apologise really, but I've hardly had any time to put this down. So it might be a bit rough and ready, but I just want to share what's in my heart a bit uh, from this story that's in Genesis chapter 32. No PowerPoint even. Uh, So Genesis 32 and it's verses 22 to 32. I'm just going to read this story to you. Um, And I believe even as I read this story, God's going to give revelation to us as a church for this season. So here we go. Verse 22. It was night. (laughs) Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons, and they crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. 
And when the man saw that he couldn't overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the man said, well, what's your name? Jacob, he said. And God says, your name is no longer to be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. And I want to just use this story as a picture um, to show us how to contend with God. Not against God, but with him for breakthrough. And perhaps you need a breakthrough of your own right now, uh, or for your family. So this is going to help you too. It's not just about the situation that is in front of us. So here's the question, do you know how to fight when everything goes wrong. Do you know how to fight? Great, but who or what exactly are you fighting? <laughs> you know how to fight, but who, who or what are you actually fighting? Um, it, it says that a man wrestled with him, in verse 24. It doesn't say who the man was or where he came from. Uh, so Jacob didn't know who he was fighting. He just knew he was in this situation that he's got to fight. He hasn't a clue what's going on. He says, I've just got to fight. He knew how to fight as well. In fact, that was kind of what Jacob was like. He was a fighter. He he struggled his whole life to get where he was. He'd fought his brother. He'd fought his father-in-law. And this was just another fight for him to get into the land of Canaan. The right stopped at this river. He was about to go in and he knew he had to fight again. And he'd always been good at it, and he's always been good at getting his own, own way, actually. He was a, an arch manipulator. He was a canny businessman that wouldn't take no for an answer until today, when he came up against something that he couldn't win against. He came up against a man who couldn't be beaten because he was fighting against God. And how many of you know that God is bigger than us? That he can't be intimidated or manipulated? You can't do deals with him. You can't beat him. You can wrestle him. You can fight him. You can run away from him. You can argue with him. But in the end, he always wins. How many of you know that? That's our God. I'm so glad that he's bigger than us, bigger than our circumstances, bigger than our situations. But Jacob had a jolly good go anyway. But who exactly is our enemy? You know, one of the things that's very clear about Jacob in this story is that he was completely alone. It says, verse 24, Jacob was left alone. He fought the situation alone. He'd isolated himself. 
He'd broken relationships going back years. He was self-reliant. He didn't need his church. He didn't need his brothers or his sisters. He fought alone. And so Jacob was his own worst enemy. And now he's fighting God. How's that going for you? (laughs) You know, when things go wrong and we blame God for it, how does that work out? You know, when you don't get your own way, Jacob, when you can't beat the man, how's that feeling right now? Anybody? (laughs) You see, God's called us into community. He's called us into family. He's called us into a body where when one part hurts, every part hurts. When one part rejoices, everyone celebrates. That's his design for us. He never promised us an easy life, but he did give us a body of people who'll stand with us, be with us, love us, cry with us, a community of people that will shelter and encourage us. And I don't know what your issue has been with church or even with God in the past, but in the breakthrough that you're needing, it's neither people nor God that are our our enemies. None of us need to fight against God. Why would you want to do that when you can fight with him? He's for us, not against us. And the battle is as much the Lord's as it is ours, whatever your circumstance, whatever you're going through. And so this is where the identity of our true enemy comes clear to us. Our enemy is sickness. It is death. It is poverty. It is injustice. It is Satan. These are our enemies. And we fight these foes together in agreement because where there is agreement, the psalmist says, God commands a blessing. And where two or three agree on earth, Jesus says, it's done in heaven. We're not meant to fight our battles alone. Why would you want to when there's such incredible power in agreement? Asking together, believing together, and for one another, which is why I think there's such a battle for prayer and unity in the church today, because these things are so powerful. So Jacob got himself into a fight that he couldn't win. But you know, and this is one of the things I love about Jacob, and I think we need a bit of this. He refused to give up anyway. (laughs) He refused to let go. It says, verse 24, he was left alone. A man wrestled with him till daybreak. Verse 26, then the man said, let me go. You know, it's nearly daybreak. Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Wow. I think this is something that God wants to give us. There's something about this that needs to get into our spirits, in our instant coffee, high, um, high-speed answers from the internet culture. You know, we can get an answer to just about anything except for why. <laughs> why God? Just press the button on the internet and you get a load of answers, but that one you can't get on the internet. Something needs to come into us where we refuse to let go until the day breaks. That we refuse, that we stand and refuse to let go until the darkness flees. That we refuse, stand and say, I'm not moving until the morning comes. 
something needs to get into us, church. Yes. Or we refuse to give up. The Apostle James tells us that sometimes we don't have because we don't ask, and that when we ask, we don't ask for the right thing. Okay, I get that. It's probably true. And who am I to argue with the Apostle James? But I think there's something else particularly that affects our culture, and that is that we give up too easily if it doesn't come quickly. I'm sorry, but I think it's true. And if James was writing today, he says, you guys, you give up too quickly. We don't hold on long enough to God. We don't persist. Jesus tells the story of a woman who refuses to give up until the judge finally relents and gives her the justice that she requires. And he uses this, it says, to illustrate the power of persistent prayer. And we need to learn how to do this. God, I'm not going to stop asking about this. (laughs) I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to keep going on about it, God. Because I think there needs to be a breakthrough in this situation. Something needs to shift. This isn't right. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. And I'm convinced that this is one of the key reasons why we don't see more breakthroughs that we need in our lives. That we don't persist in prayer. I've agonised over this, this part of the talk. I don't want to put something on you that's kind of a legalistic, I've got to work for this. But you either get what I'm saying or you don't. (laughs) Something needs to get into us where I'm refusing to give up. I'm not running away again. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm not going back. No reverse gear. We need to persist. And it's not even the length of our prayers, actually. It's about, sometimes I think God gets bored of the length of our prayers. Honestly. It's not just me, me and the Lord. But there's something about the posturing of our hearts in prayer where we get hold of God and refuse to let him go until we get an answer or until something changes or until he tells us to stop talking to me about this. Have you ever prayed long enough that God will actually tell you to stop talking to him about it? Have you? David has. You know, King David, he mourned over the loss of his son. He mourned for days. I don't know why. Was he expecting a resurrection? I don't know. But he mourned for days until the Lord said suddenly, uh, that's enough. Stop it. Get up. Wash your face. Go to your men. You need to encourage them. Stop it. It's time to move on. Guys, have we ever contended with God so much that he has to tell us to stop? This is something God wants to put in us right now. This is the spirit of intercession that Alison saw in that dream. I remember a particular season in the church here where God gave me an ability to intercede over a particular issue for many days without ceasing. And this isn't normally me. I'm a very short-term kind of quick person. But for some days, I could not stop praying on a particular issue. My heart, my spirit cried out to him continually. I remember one night I couldn't sleep and I didn't feel tired. 
All I could do was pray, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I didn't even know what I was praying most of the time. I prayed in tongues, I prayed with groans, I prayed with prayers, I just prayed. And I walked around, I walked up and down until there came a particular point when I knew, I just knew in my heart, I knew in my spirit, I knew that it was done. I knew that it was finished, I knew that it was over, and that a breakthrough had been given. I knew it. And, and, and it, until that moment, I couldn't stop. And then when that moment came, suddenly the compulsion left me and I could rest. Spirit of intercession. And you know, within that next week, the breakthrough that I've been praying for happened. And, and I just feel like you need to know that that was how this church was birthed. It was like a birthing process. That's how this church was birthed. And that's how it was founded in this season of intercessory prayer. And as I say, personally, I don't always pray like that. There have been seasons like it, seasons of fasting. But more often than not, I carry prayer in my heart continually. It's become a lifestyle, carrying prayer. It's Keith Green, 1970s worship leader. I make my life a prayer to you. I took that really seriously when I first heard that. I said, Lord, I want every beat of my heart, every breath that I breathe to be like a prayer to you. To have a posture of prayer. Are you prepared to wrestle? Are you prepared to give yourself and pray and never give up about anything? To give yourself to a life of intercession, to pray like you've never prayed before under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I I really feel like some of you here today have a particular calling to do this. And some of you listening on the internet too, you have a particular calling to do it. We've had two people visit our church recently who said they couldn't stop groaning and they were worried about themselves. What's this about? I said, that's the spirit of intercession. It's okay. It's something that God is doing amongst us. Others, it's just that you need to learn how to pray like you've never prayed before with new resolve. We've got to pray, whatever it is tomorrow, or what's going on in your life. Stop trying to do it on your own. (laughs) He wrestled alone. That was not God's design. We do it in community, in agreement, and we pray. Um. Now, I may have just got you to the place where you think, yeah, I'm up for this. Come on, bring it on. Hold on a minute. I need to warn you about a couple of things if you're going to say yes. Jacob's story shows us some direct outcomes of a season of wrestling with God. One positive and one, I can't say it's not positive, but it's not kind of positive. The first thing is this, that God changes his name. So he wrestles with God And God changes his name. Verse 27, the man said, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. 28, the man says, your name won't be Jacob anymore. I'm changing who you are. I'm changing the label that's been put on you. I'm changing the curses that have been spoken of you, even by your own father, that says that you are a dissenter. 
That's what his name meant. Or a deceiver, that you're a manipulator. I'm changing that. And I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Israel. That name means triumphant or ruler with God. You wrestle with God now, not against him. And he gives him this name, and it creates a whole new future destiny for him. He becomes the leader of a nation of people who are uh, called Israel, those that struggle with God and with people, but who overcome. A nation of contenders and overcomers. That's what it literally means. Wonderful. And so what I want you to see, first of all, that there are rewards of new realms of spiritual authority for those who learn how to wrestle alongside God in prayer and intercession. And we all recognize some of these people with higher levels of authority than ours, whether we realize it or not. How? I want that person to pray for me. They've got something that I know I haven't got and something that I need. I want them to pray for me. That's how you know. Intuitively, we know that. But there's a second consequence for those who wrestle with God, which is from that day onwards, Jacob walked with a limp. 25, when the man saw he couldn't overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched out of place. That's pretty painful. And then it says, verse 31, the sun rose, uh, sorry, verse 32, um, that from that day onwards, sorry, no, verse 31, that from that day onwards he was limping because of his hip. Jacob walked with a limp. He was never the same again. A weakness was revealed in him, a sign of dependence upon God. Jacob, in this moment of wrestling with God, had his self-reliance broken. He was never going to be self-reliant anymore. From the moment God touched him, that would be the hallmark, and it is still the hallmark of godly people, that they live with a sense of dependence and humility, and it's demonstrated often in their prayer lives. So when you tell these sorts of people problems, they say, I don't know the answer, but let's pray about that. So are you prepared to walk with a limp for the rest of your life if it means more spiritual power? Yeah, come on, bring that on. Well, maybe. I mean, depending on God, there's something good about that. It doesn't seem so bad. But it kind of depends on the sort of limp you're talking about. Because, you know, wrestling can sometimes cause you permanent injury. You know, the man reached out, it says, and put Jacob's hip out of joint. But he still kept fighting. I mean, what was it about this guy? It says something about the man. But, you know, I reckon that really hurt. I reckon that Jacob was in a lot of pain. But yet he still held on for the blessing. In agony. So I want to tell you that there's a risk in giving yourself to intercession. And how many of you know that faith always involves risk? But there's a very specific kind of risk that often accompanies the kind of healing that we are asking for right now at this time. 
The kind of healing that I believe God is going to provoke us to ask for again and again in the future. A miracle. A supernatural breakthrough. Unless God turns up, nothing's going to happen kind of miracle. What is that risk? The risk is pain and disappointment. The risk is loss, confusion, questions about God and who he really is. That's the risk. It could all go wrong. You know, we could pray and fast and still not win. And some of us have that in our history. We've lost some people along the way. We could get hurt. Others could get hurt. But we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) We're going to do it anyway. We're going to pray until he says stop. We're going to pray until we can't pray anymore. We're going to hold on to God for the miracle anyway. We're going to keep on praying. And I don't know whether you've got disappointment over the issues of healing in your own life. But we're going to pray anyway. We're going to keep praying, hoping and believing until we know any different. Because that's what we do. Jubilee. That's what we do. And then it's up to God. Yeah. We're told to pray for the sick. We're not told to, to be uh, absolutely convinced about the outcome. Yeah. You pray for the sick anyway. Yeah. It's a matter of obedience. Yeah. So are we prepared to risk disappointment and do it anyway? It's interesting that at the end of this story, Jacob's obsession is to know the name of the man he's wrestling with. And God won't tell him his name. He won't reveal himself to him in the mystery. Which is the true nature of Jacob's limp, actually. That from this point onwards, Jacob's position is one of complete dependence and weakness. And he has no alternative but to trust in the promises that have been made to him, but he has no control over the one who made them to him. I don't even know his name. I don't even know who you are right now, God. I just know that you've given me these promises I don't really understand. Please tell me your name. Why do you want my name? I'm going to bless you anyway. But you don't know who I am, but I'm going to bless you anyway. But Jacob called the place Peniel because it's, it means I saw the face of God and yet I lived. So Jacob knew that it was God, but he wasn't given his name. He wasn't given an explanation. And so often it seems that God is willing to be misunderstood. I don't like that about you, God. I want to understand why. Why did my best friend's daughters both die of cancer? Still haven't resolved that one in my heart. I want to know why. She says, will you follow me anyway? Will you follow me anyway, even though you don't understand? It's all right, I've got this. I know you don't, but will you follow me Anyway, will you still trust me, even though you're disappointed, even though it didn't work out as you thought it would? Will you? 
That's the question. This is really serious stuff, and this is why this is one of our Kairos moments as a church, I believe that. This is a crossing over moment. And how we answer this, how we deal with this in our own hearts, is going to open up all kinds of things for us in the future. I believe that. Will you follow me anyway? See, anyone who enters into the realms of prayer and intercession starts boldly declaring healing and bringing freedom. Guys, if you've been in that hospital room with me, there would have been no doubt in what I prayed. I know exactly what I'm asking for. I am not holding back. And I'm not going to. Those of us who pursue miracles and demand breakthrough... That's my posture. In the realm of the spirit, also risk disappointment, confusion, or just not understanding, and then we walk with a limp. Guys, I am walking with a limp, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it's because of this, you know, some of us have drawn back from praying for the sick. We've drawn back from praying for revival. We've drawn back from believing for salvation, planting churches, whatever it is that your disappointment is about. But this is the question God's asking us. He's inviting us on a journey. He said, will you do it anyway? I just want to finish with this, really. Say that um, it's just really obvious, but... Do you know, we've got a big calling on us as a church, as a people, uh, to bring all kinds of healing to all kinds of places at all kinds of times, sometimes completely out of the blue, like we have now. And it's like we've come to this crossing point right on the banks of the river that Jacob was on. And this is the question, do we stay where we are or will we commit and cross over, fight the man who stands in our way? You know, God has told us many times over the years about a pool of healing that he's given to us as a church. And he says that others are going to come and drink in this pool. They're not even part of us, but they're going to come and drink of the tool. And, and some of the people are going to come, they're going to take away and start their own pools in other places. So is there any surprise that we are faced with this question now? Second Jalo! <laughs> that prophetic word that Angela brought. Uh, I practiced it with Angela so I got it right. It's got to have the growl in it, apparently. So there you go. It's time. Get ready. Prepare for battle. And in this spirit, I want us just to turn to prayer, man. And we're going to do this. I don't want, you know, I do this with my leadership team and say, Please don't think about what you're going to pray and try and make it all sound good. I want prayer from the heart. So don't hesitate to start praying as we pray about this. Imagine it's your family. Well, it is your family. Um, so I want to move chairs around, get into groups of three or four, agree together and pray together. Stand. We're standing together. If you're able to stand, can you stand? And pray. We're just going to get the last part of our time together just to pray for the family. Father, in the name of Jesus, and in different situations in this room, 
Father, we ask you for breakthrough. We agree together that there would be breakthrough from today in the name of Jesus, for your glory, Jesus, for your fame. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.